I'm Jacob. I'm Alexis. I'm Seth. And I'm Kennedy. And this is our podcast, Into the Night. This is the podcast where we discuss the book Night by Elie Wiesel. Hello, this is Into the Night, and this is our first episode where we will be talking about the beginning pages of the book Night by Ellie Wiesel. At the beginning of the book, Ellie starts talking about uh, Moshe the Beetle and how he is a very happy-go-lucky guy and that he is very, very religious, studying Talmud and Kabbalah. Um... Ellie then goes in saying that they met when Ellie was around 13 and they were both very observant and spent a lot of time together. Yes. Um, But, uh, and I think that's important because um, since Moshe was was a good friend of his and and the fact that um, Moshe got um, captured by the Hungarian police was a big it was a big thing for for uh the boy it was it was a big event because then he realized that it can happen to people around him and and people close to him it's not it's not just uh stories you know yeah and um but before he was more of a Moshe the Beetle he was more of a kept to himself and more of an invisible type of person Mm -hmm. and very religious and whenever he was asked about it he would say that he would pray so he could get the real questions answered and after he was taken by hungarian police he witnessed so many horrible things and went through so many horrible things like the girl who was lay dying for three days and when he comes back to try to warn people of like what's going to happen everyone is they're not really trying to listen because they don't think that it can happen to them yeah yeah they're on denial even um the boy doesn't doesn't believe moshe so much because these stories are so terrifying and he just can't believe it either Mm -hmm. and although he's trying to understand his grief he just thought it was so impossible for it to happen and i think and ellie and the entirety of siget keep denying that this reality may be true even when the the Siget police start to take away the Jews of Siget's privileges away, what they can buy, what they can wear, they were told that they have to start wearing a star mm-hmm. on their sleeve. They were told that they cannot eat certain things, wear certain things, buy certain things. And... Everybody, all the Jews of Siget, still thought at this point that there was nothing to be that there was nothing wrong. That they were fine. That the Germans were way, way back, not even anywhere close to them. 
and nothing bad will yeah, happen. It was kind to of them. like that that mindset of it's gonna happen to them, but it would never happen to us, you know. So. And things do start to, um, the father starts to realize that things may take a turn when he's hearing rumors that, um, that they will be taken somewhere in Hungary to work in the brick factories. And so this is when they start to think that maybe that there's a little less hope of everything just being completely normal and start to question about how things like might go yeah, if they are no longer to be in like the ghetto anymore. So the ghetto was a place where all Jews of Siget and a lot of Jews in that area of Hungary were moved. Um, they were all kicked out of their homes. They were to leave everything except for some clothing. They were not allowed to have jewelry, um, and they were moved to the ghettos, which was um, in an area that had a synagogue, and they were allowed to go to that. But as the conditions of the ghetto got worse and worse, their mindset of this is fine, nothing's going to happen to us, turned into panic when they were told they were being moved by train by the Hungarian yeah, I want to go back a little bit um, and just, just talk about how they were in the ghetto for so long, treated treated with no respect that um, that just became their normal. You know, they just got used to that. Um, and that's, that's not how someone should live. In the book, it said that, like, in the ghetto, they were at least like at peace they still had hope because they were all together there was no germans uh inside their town in their little thing they could just have like a little safe space in that one ghetto ellie talks about how one afternoon he started to see german officers that he believed were gestapo and shortly after that, they were told terrible news about transports that were going to start happening. Um, he says that the ghetto was to be entirely liquidated, meaning everybody would have to leave. Departures were to take place street by street starting the next day uh, in, his, in the ghettos. Yeah, and that was... It also talks about how they set up a council, which the council members were the first people to know of this news. And his dad, uh, Ellie's dad, told him about it. And once the news was told to everybody, it says in the book that heavy silence came upon the entire. I, I think, I think that's people. that's when they really realized that. Um, this is serious, you know. They have, they're they're trying to, really, they're trying to do something that is not right, and uh, they just started to panic. 
Okay, moving ahead a little bit. Um, it's finally time for Ellie and his family to get on the transports. And they finally get on a plane where... Plane. They finally get on a train where they are crammed into a train cart where they can barely sit down. I believe it says that there were 80 people per, per train cart. And they were crammed in where only about half could sit down. And the other half would have to stay standing. And it was a very bad time. They were they had a long, long journey. And there was very, very little mm. water given to them. And little to no food. They had a ration between 80 people. Yeah, the conditions were uh, pretty extreme. And that was just the beginning for them, you know. Uh, they and they the fact that they really had no idea where they were going is what really uh, would scare them, you know. There's there's being taken on a train um, to anywhere, and uh, that was. You could tell that they were all pretty scared, and and uh, there was also this um, this this lady. Uh, I forget her name, Miss S. Yeah, she, Mrs. Uh, Schechter. I think she kind of represents like the 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 panic of everybody else, but you know, like the other people didn't want to panic like that. But she just kind of let it out. She was just so she kind of represents like the mood in the train. Yeah, it says that for days on end, day after day, she would scream, fire, I see fire, I see fire. And when everybody looked out the window, nobody saw anything. And there was a moment of panic, but everybody just stopped believing her. There was almost a boy who cried wolf moment when nobody believed her and they continued to do this. Um, she had a son who kept nagging at her and pulling on her dress to tell her to tell her to stop, but she never would. She was crazy. Um, they finally got to stop at a train station to, uh, I guess, refuel or something along the lines of that, because they were there for a very short time. They weren't let out of the cart. They were just given something. Uh, people who were sick were told to go to the back cart they don't tell they don't tell us what happens to those people (laughs) yeah yeah just assume that there's a good chance that they were killed um the train didn't move again until later the afternoon they were given a little more water a little more food and they were the doors were shut and they were packed in there again for a while Um, in these carts, after a couple days, people started to not care about what other people thought or saw. There were young couples who would start to uh, be intimate with one another while everybody was, was watching without a care. 
everybody uh, just started to lose their sense of humanity in a sense because they were just crammed in these cars like yeah. animals. Uh, it doesn't say how long um, they were in there. And Is they that still had no clue. How many days they were in there? Um... Um, I don't think it does, but he just describes it as being feeling like endless. Mm-hmm. And as Mrs. Schechter continues to cry, fire, 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 I see fire towards the end of what I assume is a chapter. She yells fire, the Jews in the cart look, and they see flames, black ash, coming out of a tall chimney, rising into the sky. Um, And they then get to another train station where where the train stops and they're told to get out. There are SS officers who are holding clubs, commanded... Men to the left, women to the right, and they were in lines towards some sort of sorting. And that's section. when, uh, that's when the uh, the boy got separated from his mother for the last time, and I think that's that'll definitely stay with with the character um, for a long time. That's that's a big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because to what we know, they never saw each other again. Yeah, that's the uh... book yet. He was separated from his sister, sisters, sister and mother, and all he was left with was behind his father waiting to be sorted. Yeah, that's a big thing. And then his mother and his sister, and he never saw him again. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this guy who looked like he had been in the camp for a long time. And as they were being sorted, there's this random guy who looked, looked like he'd been there for a while, came up to them and told them to say that he was 18 and his father 40. Ellie goes and argues with him and keeps saying, but no, I'm 13 or no, I'm, I think he was 14 or 15 at the time because years had passed from the beginning of the book. Um, no, I'm 15, and the guy just keeps keeps telling him, no, you're 18, no, you're 18. Oh, yeah, he says, no, I'm 15. The guy says, no, you're 18, and they keep arguing. And then he asks, how, how old is the father? Father answers, I'm 15. This man angrily says, no, you're not, you're 40. And we can assume that this is because anybody over or under the age would meet the fate that Moshe the Beatle did, or Moshe the Beatles traveling crew did when they were in the woods long ago. As they get to the to the front of the line. The person at the front asks them age, profession, uh, health, 
Uh, Ellie says, what's your age? He replies with, I'm 18. In good health, yes. Your profession. Ellie thinks about it for a second and lies, even though he was a student of Torah. He was a very observant student. Um, he decides to say he's a farmer, thinking that that is a good job, and hopefully he wouldn't get moved towards the giant pillar of fire. Yeah, I, I can imagine just the fear of standing in that line, just waiting for, for other people to decide your fate, you know. That's, that's got to be torture. Yeah. And as the man at the front decides his fate, he's told to go. Um, he's told to go to the left, and there is this intense moment to see if he's going to get separated from his father or not. But luckily for him, his father was was moved to the left as well. But once they saw that, there was this as they were walking. Um, there was this second, there was this couple seconds of fear because it looked like they were being walked straight towards uh, a pit of fire that as they got closer and closer, uh, Ellie was debating whether he was going to go run for the fence and try to escape. Uh, he sees babies being thrown into this pit and just thrown up in the air, letting it hit the ground and them just being burned alive. Um, they're walking towards this pit and they hear around them people saying, Yiskadal Yiskadash Me Rabah, which means, which is basically a, um, a Jewish prayer for the dead. And they were praying for themselves thinking that they were going to die very soon, which some of them were correct. Yeah, I think. So Ellie talks about how this is the first time in Jewish history that he ever thinks that people recited Kaddish for themselves. Um, what do you guys think about that, considering that you don't, you should never really pray that you're, you're going to die and stuff like that, that you want to be alive, considering that people were praying for themselves thinking they were already going to die yeah um this was the one of the first times where they genuine they, this is when they now know that it's going to get very bad and that this could be their last moments so yeah going off of what alexa said it's a very chilling thing that they know that they're going to die like they realize what's happening and they can't uh, turn back I agree with that. And Ellie continues saying that they were marching closer and closer to this pit where he sees a bunch of dead, burning corpses. And what do you think is going through Ellie's mind at that point? And do you think he thinks he's going to die? Or he, we already know he thinks he's going to die, but what do you think for him? I mean, he's probably just terrified. Um... And then it it all it it says he started to uh, say the um, 
the prayer along with along with them, even though he was skeptical mm-hmm. before. Yeah, I said he was upset um, at God, saying, "How could you put us through this?" But he knew, and at the end, he said the prayer anyways. Right. Yeah. Like that was his last. Uh, that was his only. Um, that was the only thing that could help him in that moment. And okay. then he goes on to say that he, he'll never forget like all the things that he was witnessing, the children turning into smoke into the sky. And it's something that will stay with him for forever. Yeah, very traumatic. Okay, guys, what we already know about the Holocaust, what were you guys thinking when Mrs. Schechter was on the train screaming because of the fire, because at the end, right before they turn, um, Ellie goes and talks about and asks his father, do you remember Mrs. Schechter? And he grabs his father's hand. What what do you, what, what was going through your heads when Mrs. Schechter was screaming that stuff and how Ellie reflected on it once he was right before the pit? That's a tough one, man. <laughs> um, I mean, it may be it may be some type of uh, like symbolism, um, as because when when uh, Mrs. S when she was when she was freaking out, everybody thought that she was just crazy, but now 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 it's um, now it's kind of switched, I guess. Yeah, she predicted. Uh what was going to happen. Yeah, it was definitely foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah, foreshadowing. Okay, Alexis said, or talked about the stuff at the end when he said he'll never forget the smoke, he'll never forget the children, he'll never forget the smoke under the sky, etc., etc. Um, then they, then he goes into the barracks and how they were assigned and he talks about the brutality of the SS officers as well as the cop, what were they called? Um, the prisoners who were people who beat people, beat themselves. It, it was Capo, yeah. Oh, the Capos yeah. were prisoners, but they were specially picked people by the SS officers to beat on the other prisoners. What do you think of that? And do you think that the Capos wanted to do it? Or do you think that it was more of something they were forced to do? Um, I think that it was more like they were they were such and they had a lot of fear themselves and they didn't want to risk dying so they would do it to other people to save their own lives yeah yeah and another version of the capo is a gypsy it talks about this at the end when ellie's father asked the gypsy to ask him where the toilets are 
he gets up and asks the gypsy where the toilets are and immediately gets slapped to the ground by the gypsy. And Ellie describes himself as just being stuck in place after just being there for barely a day and he's already changed so much. He says that before he would have jumped up and done all he can to help his father and now he just sat there. And What do you guys think of that? Yeah, I think it definitely shows a uh, change in character. Just shows that how the camp has really changed him in a in a worse way, and that it doesn't even doesn't even phase him anymore. That people just get beat up, and and that's just kind of his not his new normal, but something that he's used to. Does anybody else have anything else to add? Um, pretty much just the same thing that yeah. he's now like, I mean, everyone is that they're so petrified that they're facing death all the time. And so it's just a, it's a new, it's a new, um, new thing for them. And so that's why he reacts so like differently to where he said that he feels that he's changed Mm -hmm. okay cool that brings us up to page 40 we are done for episode one um thank you for listening to our podcast into the night and yeah thank you